is Friday. Let's see, February 12th. Yes, that's correct, February 12th. And today we are uh, again gathering for a little time discussing what God's Word has to say to us. And this week I decided to do yet again something a little different than just going straight through a passage of Scripture, which is typically what we do here. Uh, last week we just finished up uh, the book of 1 Corinthians, and rather than dive into a new book, I figured we'd we dive into something that I think is more and more and more common, um, and that is to say, um, dealing with the theme or the concept of be one being spiritual but not religious. Spiritual but not religious. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, um, you know, when I uh, this has come to mind recently for a couple of reasons. Uh, one. Uh, recently, I watched a documentary series that was quite popular on Netflix called Surviving Death. And the first episode was about near-death experiences. It was quite, actually, quite interesting, quite engaging. Um, but then it moved on to things like uh, psychics and mediums and all sorts of other uh, things that are kind of associated with, oh, sort of new age spirituality, that sort of thing. And as I was watching it, it reminded me of my time ministering in uh, New York City and specifically talking to uh, friends and neighbors that were all across the city because what I found, much to my surprise after um, talking to a number of people, is that as, as much as we might be prone to thinking that um, a place like New York would be full of you know people that were skeptics and uh, maybe more atheistic than the typical place, uh, the reality was the vast majority of people I spoke to actually were quite open to spirituality, would refer to themselves, maybe not by the phrase spiritual, but not religious, but certainly that was sort of the category that the vast majority of people I came across actually would fit into. In other words, there was a there was an openness to all sorts of discussion about spiritual matters. There was most of the people I talked to probably had some sort of... Um, spiritual or supernatural experience that they could re report that was much more common than the person who just discounted all of it uh you know i come across i'd say quite a few agnostics but if there was one thing that was generally true it was that um, most people were not particularly dogmatic when it came to things when it came to doctrine or when it came to religious ideas but in fact it was much more pragmatic Spirituality was something that was seen as good if it helped you during the day, if it caused you to have a more positive feeling, if it caused you to uh, have a positive attitude during your day. And so it was something that basically you did whatever spiritual practice, whether it be yoga or meditating or uh, speaking to a psychic or whatever it might be, you did that in as much as you felt it made you feel good. It made you feel productive. It made you feel like a more whole person. This is, in fact, I think, what accounts for the rise of what uh, statisticians and pollsters refer to as the group uh, by the title nuns, the nuns. You may have heard this in the Pew Research findings that talk about those who are not affiliated with religion on the rise more than any time that it's than any time they've ever recorded before. And I think it's in the high 30s and even into the 40 percentile mark for younger generations that will say they're totally unaffiliated with any organized religion. And yet the vast majority of them are not atheists. They are not people that deny the possibility of a God. 
In fact, they're people that probably affirm the possibility of a God and all sorts of other spiritual things. So, so I feel like it needs a little bit of addressing. Today, we're going to look at just one aspect of it, which is what the Bible actually has to say about these various spiritual matters that are often that often come together. And then next week, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, I guess, some of the potential positives that could come out of this movement that, uh, you know, sometimes is referred to as the spiritual but not religious. So, so first of all, let's let's look at near-death experiences. What does the Bible have to say about such an occurrence? Well, I would say of all the things that we're talking about today, this is the one that has the most possibility and validity. I mean, we believe in a soul. We believe that people have souls. We believe that there's more to life than just material, just matter. And so it doesn't seem weird or strike me as anything unbiblical to at least allow for the possibility of near-death experiences. Now, I'll be the first one to admit that a whole lot of people that have claimed to have them, especially Christian books that have come out claiming to go to heaven or claiming to go to hell or whatnot, probably in general are not true. Maybe some of them are, but um, but nevertheless, as much as people might, you know, um, uh, pretend or, or you know, lie about their experience, the reality is there shouldn't, there really isn't any problem with believing such a thing can happen from a biblical perspective. As a matter of fact, Second uh, Corinthians 12, Paul is talking about an experience he had that sounds much like a near-death experience. He says this in chapter 12, verse 2. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. That's probably another way of saying the, the, the heavenly realm, the, you know, a different dimension than the, the heavenly realms that we have here or the skies that we have here. He says, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Uh, and I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. Now, even though Paul is referring to, it sounds like some other person, as you go further down in the passage, it's pretty clear that he's talking about himself, that he has had an experience in which he has somehow, he doesn't know whether it's, it was in the body or out of the body, but he saw things that he can't describe. He saw things that go beyond his ability to comprehend. It sounds very much like what some people have experienced when they have a near-death experience. Uh, there's a there, it, it's not just a spiritual question either when we talk about near-death experiences. Um, there's, there's actually quite a bit of data um, looking at this that lends uh, even the scientific community to ask questions about the reality of this and at least to grapple with it because so many have had experiences like that. So, so I would say on, the first, on this first issue, the, the, at least the idea of a near-death experience isn't anything that would be um, called foul in the scriptures. That is a possibility. Where we start to get into trouble is when we talk about basically the rest of the things that I've mentioned in the title for today's devotion. When we talk about mediums or seances to speak with the dead, uh, when we talk about psychics that are claiming to know the future or tarot cards or whatever it might be. These are, in fact, forbidden activities in the scriptures. And the primary reason why, and I'll, get, I'll give you some biblical sort of verses so that you know what I'm saying is, is in fact, true. 
But the reason why primarily is because these are seen as a shortcut or an end run around going to the true and living God. And for the Christian, for the person who believes in God, they are supposed to see God as first and foremost, the one that they pray to, the one that they go to, the one that they entrust their lives to. And all of these other mechanisms, whether it be mediums or seances or psychics or whatnot, are seen as uh, shortcuts that are not valid in that, uh, in that way of living. Let me give you an example uh, of the condemnation that we have for this. First out of the law in Deuteronomy 18, it says these words, verse 10, there shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering, which unfortunately, by the way, that was quite common in uh, the ancient Canaanite world. And so God, as a religious practice, and so God has to tell his people, that's not going to be what you do. Anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer, or a charmer, or a medium, or a necromancer, or one who inquires of the dead, you can't have any of that. Or for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord, Deuteronomy says, and because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. So it's pretty clear cut there in the law that this is not something that God allows in the midst of his people, that uh, the practice of being a psychic or a medium, looking, you know, speaking to the dead, um, tarot cards, any of that stuff is forbidden in Scripture. Now, someone might say, "Well, okay, but you're reading from the law, Eric. I mean, you know, don't you have to show that this is actually something that continues on throughout the rest of the Bible and the New Testament?" Well, yes, and so I will show you that. Um, first of all, as we look throughout the New Te or the Old Testament. We come across King Manasseh in 2 Kings 21. And King Manasseh is condemned for his kingship or for his rule because of the very things mentioned in Deuteronomy. Because he practiced divination, because he, he went to mediums, because he consulted with those who uh, claimed to predict the future. You also have the story um, in 1 Samuel chapter 28 in which uh, Saul, wanting to, uh, not feeling like God is giving him an answer or direction for what he's supposed to do, ends up consulting a medium known as the Witch of Endor, and the Witch of Endor brings up the spirit of Samuel, and Samuel condemns the practice, again, repeating what it says in Deuteronomy 18. And then finally, when we get to the New Testament, Paul is in the midst of discussing and um, describing activities that are common to the flesh, to sinful man. And he gives a whole list of activities there. And one of the words he uses is sorcery. Now, sorcery is just sort of all-encompassing term for this sort of practice of going to mediums or psychics or tarot cards or any of that stuff. All that stuff was around back then. Uh, in fact, the sorcery that was probably most particular at the time was a sorcery that involved uh, or a uh, a fooling around with the spiritual um, by taking uh, any number of narcotics, any number of drugs. Um, one of the reasons we suspect that is because the word for sorcery in Greek is actually the word pharmakeia, where we get our word pharmacy or, or pharmaceutical from. It, it usually combined the two things. The idea is that one would get high, uh, you know, on whatever substance, and then they'd experience some grand phenomenon. They'd uh, get in touch with the spiritual realm. Uh, usually that would be accompanied, of course, by lots of sex with temple prostitutes. I mean, it was 
entirely predictable for a man-made religion. But the whole point of this is Paul in the New Testament reiterates what it says in the Old Testament, that these are not things to be practiced amongst the Christian church, that these are things that are not allowed for us to delve into. There is a realm that we are not allowed to contact. Now, that brings up the question, are these people that are claiming to be psychics or mediums, um, are they legit? Are they, could they literally be tapping into this spiritual realm? Well, obviously we know there's lots of frauds out there. That's not any insight on my part, but it is possible, indeed very possible, that someone has been granted this power, I would argue from the dark side, in order to do these things. And yet, what is the point? What is the point of contacting these spirits? What is the point of, um, you know, maybe ghost sightings and things like that? What is the, what's driving all of this is, I believe, coming from the demonic realm. And here's why I say that. Number one, it's forbidden in scripture for us to, to be involved in that. But number two, its primary uh, point is to deceive us is to look is to get us to look for hope in the things that the psychic or the medium or whatever it is will lead us to look to instead of looking to the one who is our lord and savior jesus christ the point of all that stuff is to try and get us to look away remember the devil is fine with us being just a little deceived as long as the deception leads us away from jesus so it's possible that someone says, I'm a medium, but I also believe in Jesus. It's possible that they believe that, but in fact, it is not in line with what the scriptures teach, that one is uh, in error that way. It doesn't mean that they are necessarily rejected by God, but it does mean that they're in error and that that error needs to be corrected. Now, let's get to the last thing here, and then we'll wrap up for today. And then next week, we'll talk a little bit more about this and, and how we seek to engage this in our world. And that is, let's talk about reincarnation. Uh, I know that that is um, more and more popular these days. I know that there is a, uh, some people that, that really feel like they may have been something else in, in a past life. They have this deep sense of identity with some historical figure or with some historical person. Um, first of all, that typically is not the way reincarnation actually works because if you're reincarnated, you can come back as something as simple as a bug. Um, you can come back as a plant. Uh, there's in, it tends to be that a lot of people that believe they were something else in the past tend to believe they were royalty or tend to believe they were something really impressive, you know. But the reality is actual reincarnation teaches that, no, you could have <laughs> you could have been a bug and you could be, you know, a deer in the future after this life or whatever. Reincarnation goes beyond other human becoming just another human being. But set that aside. Um, is it compatible at all with what the scriptures teach? Is the idea of being reincarnated, coming back to life in the form of something else, whether it be a human, animal, or plant, or whatever? The short answer to that is reincarnation is not compatible with what the scriptures teach. And the simple reason I say that is because the scriptures overwhelmingly teach over and over again that the point of this whole thing is not reincarnation,
but in fact, resurrection. Resurrection. We are not, we are not doomed to sort of endlessly come back as something else. No, in fact, we are going to be renewed. Our bodies are no longer going to be limited by the things that we are limited by now. And so resurrection is the big idea. If you look from Genesis all the way to Revelation, the big crescendo in Revelation is in fact the resurrection of the dead where people will go on to live everlastingly in the presence of God, no more to suffer the things of this world. And so reincarnation will not work with that worldview. They are just two different perspectives. They are two totally different worlds. Uh, so, so that's a little bit today about um, some of the ideas that are floating around out there that are becoming, I think, more and more popular and more favorable, certainly amongst even the most educated uh, sort of elites of our day, that these things are all considered possibilities and we should be aware of that reality and how to engage it. So I've given you the biblical sort of view on these things. Uh, what I want to do next week is I want to talk about, I think, the potential the potential ways that these this openness to spirituality but not religion actually may give us access to speak more clearly about Jesus to people and to engage them with the gospel that is in fact our hope the good news that the one who died for the forgiveness of our sins is going to raise us again to new life forever and ever and there's reason to believe that that in fact is the greatest hope of all so uh, that's it for this week. Uh, obviously very different.